scripture here and see what Luke is telling his friend. He's writing to a friend, whether a believer or not, we really don't know, don't know much about the man that he's writing to, Theophilus. But he's sharing with him how he can know and be assured of the faith that Luke has. Luke chapter 1, verse number 1. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. Now he's telling his friend these things, this faith that he's so excited about, and he wants to share with his friend, he wants to share with everybody in the world, but especially his good friend. And he says these things that we believe, and they're, they're most surely believed among us, among believers. <clears throat> he's going to tell them about that. Verse 2, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning, he says, we were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all the things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. And there he says, right there, verse number four, that, that he could know, he, that he could be certain, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things. He also writes to Theophilus, he doesn't only uh, pen the, the book of Luke, and that's his letter to Theophilus, his, his uh, witness, his testimony to his friend. Also, the book of Acts is written by Luke. The book of Acts is called the We Gospels because wherever uh, throughout the, the narrative in the book of Acts is a historical book of what, the, what uh, the Holy Ghost actually did through the apostles in the early church. And it says, and we went here and we went there and we you know, uh, uh, met Paul here and we were with Barnabas or whatever. It's the We Gospels. The We, the person that's writing is actually Luke. Luke is the one that wrote the book of Acts. And look at the, the purpose for which he wrote this book. He wrote these words down because the Bible says, Acts chapter 1, verse number 1, <clears throat> the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus. What do you know? He's writing to his friend Theophilus again. And he's writing about the things about Christianity. And he's saying, I'm writing these things so you can know. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach <clears throat> until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. That's the, the suffering and death of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. That's kind of like a double positive. You've heard of double negatives. It's a positive and it's a positive upon a positive. Assuredly certainties. He's saying many infallible proofs. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So he's presenting these things as a great case for Christianity. We gather this morning to celebrate the linchpin of the Christian faith, and that's Jesus' resurrection. Well, preacher, I'm glad that you're confident. I'm glad that you say that you know the Lord. I wish I could be. I don't know. 
don't know for sure that if I died right now that I'd go to heaven, but some say, like you, that you know. How, how is it that you know? How can you know? How can anybody know? How can you know for sure that you're saved? How can you know for sure that these things about Jesus are certain, are, are solid? That's the question today. How can I know? And Luke answers Theophilus in these words, and we'll go back through these and, and see just that very thing. But before we do that, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that you help us to, to know, to be assured of these things, these certainties, as you said. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take the testimony that Luke gave to his friend and that you give to us here this morning to be assured, to be certain. Lord, I pray that you'd, you'd help every person that's here this morning, those that know you to rejoice and to celebrate, but those that don't know you but are, are seeking, are searching, they're wanting to know, they're wanting to have that assurance that they see in others and they just don't. Lord, I pray that you'd, you'd speak to us here this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Although we know, don't know much about this man, Theophilus, that Luke is writing to, he's the target of Luke's writing in Luke and Acts. We do know that he was a friend of Luke's. And that Luke wanted him to have a certainty of faith as he possessed. You see, because Luke was an eyewitness. That's what he says. We were there. I was there. I saw these things. And being that, that I had perfect knowledge of all of these things, I'm giving that to you. I'm giving you my, my eyewitness Testimony. He was an eyewitness of everything written in these letters. Verse number four of Luke chapter one, that thou mightest know, he says, the certainty of these things wherein thou hast been instructed. He wanted his friend Theophilus to be certain, to be certain about who Jesus is, to be sure, <clears throat> to be fully persuaded, to be certain about his relationship with the Savior, be certain of his salvation, be certain that he was going to heaven. <clears throat> which is where the rubber meets the road, folks. It, it, all, it means nothing if it if it's, doesn't make a difference in you and in me. Are you certain? Do you know that you're going to heaven? Well, he was concerned about his friend, that he would know who Jesus is, be certain about Christ, and be certain that he was going to heaven. The Bible urges us to be certain, to nail down our salvation. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except you be reprobates? He's saying if you don't have Christ in you, you're out. You're a reprobate. You're not saved. You're not a child of God. You've got to have Christ in you. And if you have Christ in you, then, and, and that's how we, we can know for sure that we're saved. And he says examine yourselves. Prove your own selves. Hey, it's something that we should be doing. We should be check, open up the hood, see what's in there spiritually. Are you saved? Examine yourself. <clears throat> we know that God knows, and we should welcome him to examine us, but as the Bible says in Psalm 26, verse 2, he knows us. He, he knows us through and through. Here the, the believer says, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Well, he does. He does just that. And by the way, the Lord knows you better than anybody on earth. And he knows you even more than you know yourself. How about that? Isn't that, isn't that something? He does. 
Psalm 139, 23, search me. The psalmist writes, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. My, the things that I think. Talk about an invasion of privacy. You, you don't have any privacy with the Lord. He knows, which is one of the reasons why I'm so amazed that I could be saved today because the Lord knows me. He knows me, and he loves me yet. But he knows me. And, and the, we, we understand that, that the Lord examines us and knows who we are and knows all through and through, but we're also urged to conduct a self-examination. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. But let a man examine himself, the Bible says. This is what you're supposed to do. You, you're to give yourself a self-test. <clears throat> Believer, I want you to prove your salvation today in your mind and uh, in, in these things as we go through. Understand, okay, if this is examining myself, am I saved, am I in, or am I out? Am I a child of God? Am I going to heaven, or am I going to hell? Unbeliever, if you're here, self-check, okay? That's what it says, examine yourself. It's a simple process to determine <clears throat> whether or not one is saved. If we're certain of who Jesus is, and we have placed our faith in him to take him as our personal Savior, then we have him. We have the Son, as the Bible says, 1 John 5, 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Where's eternal life? It's in Christ. I remember the uh, uh, example that Tim Schellenberger once gave in teaching us about soul winning, and, and uh, he says, let's say this is eternal life, and this book represents Jesus. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. So therefore, if you get the Son, you get eternal life. How about that? Isn't it simple? And that's exactly what the Bible says. Look at it. It's, it says, and this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son, simple, hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. How simple. You got Jesus, then you got life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. Simple as that. That's so elemental. It's, it's so down to the, the, the brass tacks of things. <clears throat> if you have Jesus, then you have heaven. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have heaven. And then you're out. That's why it's so important to know who Jesus is, to understand, to grasp his words and his works, to be assured of his nature and his victory, to be assured of the resurrection. If you have any question about that, you need to nail that thing down. And that's what Luke was writing to Theophilus about so that he could be certain, so that he could know who Jesus is. And, and, and Luke says, we were there, we saw this, and he gave some testimonies. <clears throat> Luke says, these things are most surely believed by us, by believers. And he says, you, Theophilus, be certain of them. Hey, I'm asking you, a church member, a tender here, be certain. Be certain of these things, these truths. These things that, that uh, critical eyewitnesses testify of. And that's what, what uh, uh, Luke said. He was, he was there and he was an eyewitness and he was giving these things. Uh, you've got to be sure of these testimonies, of these witnesses. The infallible proofs concerning his life, concerning Christ's purity, his teachings, his death, 
but most of all, his resurrection. You must know so that you can grasp it for yourself. That's why Luke wrote this, so that his friend could be certain of the things, the truths of these teachings. John put it this way in John chapter 20, verse 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in, in this book. He's talking about the book that he wrote, and, and it was included, of course, in Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So we're talking about the Bible here. He says, the Lord did many other things that are not included here. Um, many other things truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that, ye, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that, ye, ye, that believing ye might have life through his name. He says, these are written so that you can be certain. This testimony is for you so that you can be sure, so that you can be sure of eternal life. The testimony that we hold here is so that you could be saved and be certain of it, so that you might believe and have life. You have the nagging question that doesn't go away. How can I be sure? Preacher, how can I be sure? How can I know? How can I be certain? If that's your question, you come to the right place. And you come to the right sermon. Because here it is. We're, gonna, we're looking at just exactly that, how to be certain. If you don't know that you're saved, you don't know 100% sure that if, that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven, that you're a child of God, you're pardoned from your sins, you're going to heaven. If you don't know that absolutely 100%, you say, well, I don't know, maybe 90%. That's not 100%. You don't know for sure, for sure. You need to be certain. If you don't know for sure, if you don't know, if you don't have that 100%, you know that you know that you know that you know that you're a believer, that you're saved, that you're a child of God. If you don't know that, then pay attention. This sermon from the words of Luke are so that you may know and so that you can be certain. So how can I know? How can I be certain? The Bible gives four testimonies. There's four <clears throat> witnesses in this book that we'll, we'll go over very quickly. Luke touches on uh, two or three of them right here in, in these words to Theophilus. They're the physical testimony that's the, of the material world. There's the personal testimony of those eyewitnesses that were there and they're sharing their testimony. There's the prophetical testimony. The Bible t uh, uh, gives uh, a foretelling of things to come that come to pass, that have come to pass. And so there's the, the accuracy that can be proven or verified through prophetical testimony. And then the promised testimony of Jesus. He said many, many times when he was here on earth to his disciples, to his enemies, I'm going to lay down my life. I'll be in the grave for three days and three nights, and then I will rise again. He promised that, and it surely happened. So let's take a look at these four witnesses. The Bible gives us four testimonies. The first one is a physical testimony. That's what we would call empirical testimony, or testimony originating from the material universe, from where you live, from the, the, the uh, material, the, the natural world and the, and the universe around us. The testimony that God wrote in the sky for every person who ever lived. It's an evidence of an all-powerful, a wise, and a caring creator. And that's exactly what this, this uh, universe shows, and it displays. It showcases who God is. Psalm 19, verse number 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day 
uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. What he said about this testimony, this, this physical testimony, everybody hears this testimonies, this testimony. And you don't have to be you don't have to be able to read to understand this one. <clears throat> the only thing that you have to do is you have to be able to think, deduce, reason. That's what you have to do to understand, to, to grasp this. A creation demands a creator. A design demands a designer. Code and language, as in our chemical, cellular, and DNA makeup, requires a mind to write that code and then to uh, decipher that code. We cannot conceive of the unbelievable complexity of a symbiotic universe that we live in where there's deep, deep space galaxies solar system that we live in, moon tides enabling life in our otherwise stagnant oceans. Do you know the moon? Just last night, I, was, I stepped outside, and I don't know if you've enjoyed it or not. We have cloud cover around here so much, you hardly ever see the moon or the sun. But I, last night, I don't know, about midnight, I, I looked out, and man, the moon was big. It was just about full, and it was there, and it was consistent as it always is. We don't have to worry about that, do we? That's what God does. And you know what? The moon makes life on earth possible. Our oceans would become stagnant without the moon tides, you know, pulling on, on the sides of the earth where it brings the waters to actually uh, aerate and give life, and provide life for all things on earth. Isn't that, isn't that something? When, when we see the symbiotic universe where there's so many things that have to do uh, and have to contribute with one another with all of those things, even to the interconnected viruses and plants and animals here on earth. Without a grand conductor of the magnificent Horatio production that he has made in this universe, you couldn't imagine that to, to just happen, of course. It's preposterous. Jeremiah 10, 12, he hath made the earth by his power, and he has established the world by his wisdom, and he has stretched out the heavens by his discretion. What a great God to be able to do all of this <coughs> by his wisdom and power and his, and his discretion. Romans 1, 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world, invisible things of God, you, see, you can't see God. You've never seen God with your eyes, and, and you can't prove him in a test tube. There's, there's things that, since he is a spirit, uh, he's invisible in that sense. But the invisible things of the creator of the world from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that those things that are created, so that we are without excuse. We see this creator, and all that he's done, and <laughs> there's... There's no getting around it. There's no getting around it. It's a, it's a testimony. It's, a, it's in, in the court of your unbelief, God presents physical testimony. And you know what? To deny that, you're a fool. The fool that says in his heart, there is no God. You, you, there's, there's no way uh, in, a, in a, uh, a logical, reasonable universe to say, with all this design, with all this complexity, with all this beauty, with all this, this uh, 
presentation for life. There is no hand behind it. No, no. God gives four testimonies that would allow us to be certain. The first one is his physical testimony of the material world. And then another way to be certain is personal testimony. And this is the testimony from those who were there. Now, I wasn't there and you weren't there. I'm actually, I'm, I'm glad that I live when I do. You know, there's certain things that I go to the doctor now for and things that would have been life-threatening or ending, you know, uh, centuries ago or even decades ago are, are just small potatoes. You know, we have great advances. You know, we have uh, computers and, and all that. Well, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But <laughs> I was just telling somebody this morning, uh, is between, you know, when you're dealing with computers, it's like, a love-hate relationship, you know, but, but actually I'm glad that we live in, in such a time where there's knowledge and there's advances and everything else, but I wasn't there when Jesus walked the earth. But there were those who, who were there, and they gave their testimony. These are eyewitnesses, bystanders, the personal testimony of believers from those first century saints, even to today's believers, the ones today who have met the Lord Jesus Christ have a personal testimony. Luke 1, verse number 2, remember he said this to Theophilus, even as they delivered them unto us, he's talking about us, himself, he's including himself here, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses. We saw, we were there, as, as uh, uh, John puts it. Our hands have handled, we touched, we were there, we were, we were present and we saw these things. And he says we were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. He's saying, I've got a testimony. And my testimony is that I was there and I saw these things. And he presents that. Who better to testify than from those who were there from the beginning? They saw. They knew. They committed all from what they knew to be true. Acts 1.3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being, notice what he says, seen of them. Forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, that he was seen after his death and resurrection. It wasn't just something that was uh, uh, hidden or shielded or just a few. No, no, it was open, not only to his disciples, but there were, there were hundreds that saw him at once. They knew, they saw, they experienced the resurrection. No fooling a generation who had the cold, hard evidence thrust upon them. Not then. You couldn't fool them. You couldn't fool that generation about Jesus. They knew. It was common knowledge. That's one thing to hypnotize a key witness or to try to conjure up a false implanted memory or to bribe a greedy witness, but there's no way to blaze the flame of Christianity by hundreds of eyewitnesses because of a proven hoax. No, it wasn't a hoax. They knew. They saw. They developed immediate martyrs who could not be shaken of their testimonies. I mean, there were people that would not drop the, the, the charge that Jesus is alive and that it's true and I saw these things and there's nothing you can do. You can kill me, but that won't stop the truth. Spread Christianity over the, the, the nations. 
even burn such a testimony from secular historians who could not deny the resurrection. Just this morning, Josephus was mentioned. Historical account. Josephus was a Jewish historian. He wasn't a believer, wasn't a, a Christian. He was a Jewish historian who was even-handed and who mentions Jesus and what he did. And although he didn't believe, he says that this is what they say that what, what his followers believed that took place. But along with that, he, he also introduced a pile of other biblically mentioned people and places found also in the scripture to verify. <clears throat> See, outside of personal testimony, scoffers hold to the position that we cannot archaeologically prove the existence of Jesus. There's no way to do that, and they'll, they'll hang their hat right there, and they'll say there's no way for anybody to prove the existence of Jesus. But what they're not telling you is that we have mountains of proof, proof more than other historical figures with much less evidence of their existence, such as Alexander the Great or Julius Caesar. Now, who are dis disputing their existence and such scant evidence that we have of them? Nobody. I love the argument that we, folks, we have more documented history evidenced by eyewitness testimony than any other historical figure in the world. That's, that's really something, folks. That's, that's saying something. I love the argument that Paul gives Festus in Acts chapter 26 when he's talking about the resurrection and he, he's given his testimony, how he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, changed his life and everything else, and Jesus rose from the dead. And right there, Festus stops and he, and he, he says, no, I can't accept that. Paul, you're mad. <coughs> you're mad. And this is, what, this is what Paul answered Festus right there. Acts 26, verse 24. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. <clears throat> but he, Paul, said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom I also speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. Folks, they were contemporaries of Jesus. It was just years prior that Jesus walked on earth, rose from the dead, and there was testimony of hundreds of people to verify the claims. He says, this wasn't done in a corner. <laughs> this wasn't something that, you know, some shyster is trying to hide, the, you know, in information. N no, excuse me. You know these things to be true. And you know what? In that in that setting when he presented these things as fact that claim wasn't countered festus didn't stop right there and say well no that's what you say paul about you know it, it, you could prove it no no he didn't he stopped you know what it shut down the argument it was not why wasn't it why wasn't it countered well because he couldn't their society knew that jesus resurrection was true it was verified by hundreds of eyewitnesses with abundant documented references, and including today we have biblical references which have proven to be accurate and more abundant than any other historical writing of antiquity. Period. End of sentence. Wow. That's eyewitnesses that were there. Um, folks, 
I want to stop right here and talk about Jesus in t today. 2019. This day, in April, I'm telling you, Jesus lives. I spoke with him this morning. <laughs> he answered my prayer this morning. This, I was just talking to, uh, to my siblings about this, and when we, you know, Easter comes around and we text back and forth and saying, aren't you glad that you're saved? Aren't you glad? And my brother was the one that actually brought me to Christ. And I have to tell him, say, I'll thank you so much for caring for your little brother enough to point me to Christ. Now, his life was a mess in so many ways, but you know what? That's all he needed. He needed to point me to Christ, and, and the Lord used that and brought me to him. And I recounted the day that I got saved. It was January 10th, 1974. That was 45 years ago. I'm not even that old. <laughs> but 45 years ago, I came to Christ, and it was the very next morning I prayed to the God of the universe as my father the first time ever in that kind of a relationship. First time ever. I prayed to him a prayer that was so outlandish and so preposterous to ask. Broke down on the side of the road, cold morning in Arkansas, the wind whipping around with snow flurries and dead on the side of the road and, and uh, getting cold. And m newborn, I'm talking about newborn, just hours before, received Christ as my Savior. And I didn't know all what that meant at that time. But I had a different relationship with the Lord. And He was my Father. He just had shown to me that He could roll this, the burden of sin off of my shoulders. <laughs> And he did. But that morning, I prayed. I said, and I, I don't know that I, I, I articulated these words because I didn't exactly know how to pray. But I said something like, the scripture calls Abba, Father, like Daddy, you know, uh, intimate. Father, can you do something here? Can, can you help us out here? I don't know what, what we're going to do. Amen. No sooner did I say amen, a car pulled up right, right in front of us. This guy got out, limping. He says, what's your problem? Well, we broke down, we don't know. Lifted up the hood, and, and he was kind of a, uh, handy with mechanics. A few minutes, he de determined what it was. Yeah, well, you need this part, but it's on over at the next town, which is another 15, 20 minutes away. He had just gotten out of the hospital. He had a wife and about three or maybe 17 screaming children in the back. You couldn't tell. It's just a big cacophony of noise back there. And he just got out of the hospital. Didn't even get home yet. And he says, well, I'll, I'll do this for you. Went to the, that town, picked up the part that we needed, came back, helped us put it in, get back on the road. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, course that happens every day right no no I was the I was the God of the universe listening to my prayers he listened to me you cannot tell me that there is no God he's been answering my cries for 45 years 
And he's answered my cries this morning too. <laughs> you see, the, the personal testimony is not those that were eyewitnesses that were there, but those who had their lives changed. And they say, yes, Jesus lives. I know it. Because I, I know him to live in my heart. I have a relationship with him. He's changed my life. And I can say that. And believers everywhere, believers today can say the very same thing. By personal testimony, Jesus is alive. He loves me and he cares for me daily. So I can be sure of God by his physical testimony of the material universe, of the world, of the of the, the, the empirical evidence around us. I can be certain of, his test, of, of who he is by personal testimony of those like Luke who was there, eyewitnesses, those that gave their lives, those like myself who came to know him personally, a personal testimony. And there's another way to be certain, a prophetical testimony. This testimony comes wholly from the Bible. It's what God tells us that will take place in the future. And it's a proof. It's, it's an evidence of deity. Nobody can do that. Only God can do that. Even stronger than human personal testimony is a biblical testimony. Because of the amazing nature of this indestructible book that Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Oh man, over the centuries we have had enemies of this book. Enemies right from the garden where Satan comes in and says, Yea, hath God said, you know those things that we have recorded here? Did God really say that to cause uh, a doubt into his word? Uh, listen, folks, there's been enemies of this book over the centuries, but Jesus said, don't worry, my word will be around. You have it right here. It's in your lap. Isn't that something? Isn't that wonderful? But the, 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 the word of God, the Bible says, 2 Peter 1, 6, 16, he says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses. There again, he was there. He was one of them that was there. He says, hey, we were there. Trust our testimony. And he says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine being there and hearing this? Hearing God Almighty with his voice speak, This is my beloved. I wonder how that sounded. If it did sound like Charlton Heston or not. I don't know. This is my beloved Son. Well, they heard that, folks. They were there. And they heard those things take place. And he goes on to say, um, And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Then he says, but hey, listen, don't take my word for it. That's what he says next. He's saying, I mean, that's solid, but you know what? Got something much more solid than even that, even our own testimony. He says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, wherein you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a, in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture. He's talking about the word of God. He says nothing in here is man 
uh, 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 originated. It's all God's word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. He says, uh, he says uh, no prophecy of the scripture is any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We have it right here, folks. It's God's testimony to, to allow you to be sure, to be certain. Brother Paul is uh, teaching presently an a, a adult Sunday school class on uh, the book of Daniel. And uh, it's, it's wonderful. We, we were able to sit there and, and listen to one of his uh, lessons. All of the, the whole uh, adult uh, crowd was there last week. And <clears throat> the book of Daniel is vehemently criticized because of the unbelievably accurate prophecy of future national and global events that would take place. Except the thing about it is, it was so accurate on the, the chessboard of the nations, and this would happen here, and this would happen here. It was so accurate, it was, it was so precise, it was, it was so accurate that it couldn't be true. I mean, it couldn't be a prophecy. Well, since we know that there really is no God behind this book, that's what they say. And it's just a man's words, and so... Um, it couldn't be true, as if Daniel didn't write it, but somebody must attributed his name to it centuries later, so it must have been recorded after the fact as history, not prophecy. <laughs> Folks, it was prophecy. It was a foretelling of what shall take place. You know why? It was from God. That's what God does. He speaks before it happens so that we can know it's God. Isaiah 42, verse number 9. This is the nature. Folks, it's the nature of prophecy. When God says something before it takes place. Why? Behold, the former things are come to pass and new things do I declare, God says. I, before they happen, I'm declaring what's going to take place. Uh, new things do I declare before they spring forth, I will tell you of them. Jesus puts it this way in John 13, 19. Now I tell you, before it come that when it has come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. See, he says, hey, I'm going to tell you how it's going to take place. I'm going to uh, live here. I'm going to give myself. I'm going to die. Be three days in the grave. Three days, three nights. But then I'm going to break out of the grave. I'm going to uh, live again. And he says, before it come to pass, I'm telling you, so when it comes to pass, you can believe. You can put your faith in that. See, God boasts this ability uh, uh, to the scoffer, to those who would try to deny. Isaiah 41, 4, who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I mean, he says, who does this like I do it? Who, who calls out prophecy like this? I, the Lord, first and, and with the last. I am Jesus. Nobody else does that. Isaiah 48, 5, I have even from the beginning declared it to thee before it come to pass. I showed it thee, lest thou should say, mine idol hath done them, and my graven image and my molten image hath com commanded them. Thou hast heard, seen all this, and, and will not ye declare it? I have showed thee new things from this time, even hidden things, that thou did, uh, didst not know them. They are created now, and not from the beginning, even before the day when thou heardest them not, lest thou should say, Behold, I knew them. God says, I call the shots before it happens so that you can't say, Oh, I knew that was going to happen. No, nobody knows that's going to happen. 
It's a prophecy, folks. It's a testimony that God gives of his word. And by the way, there's about 20% of, of the prophecies laid out in the word of God that have not come to pass. Eighty percent has come to pass. Pretty good record, right? And you know what? If we we're to, if we we're to look at that, like you know, every new year they have the seers and the uh, prostodigitators and the whatever, you know, and they 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 get it like uh, I don't know, sixty percent right, you know, eighty percent right. That's pretty good. So eighty percent of the prophecies have come to pass exactly the way that the Lord had said. There's about twenty percent that have have not come to pass yet. <laughs> You know what? All of his prophecies, 100%. Exactly the way that he has. Oh, there are some things that haven't come to pass yet, you know, like the great white throne judgment. That's where all the, the, the lost of all the ages of humanity will stand before the king in, the, in his courtroom. And the books are going to be open, and another book is open, which is the book of life. And the dead will be judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. Folks, that's going to take place. And that's a prophecy. That's a promise. Everything that God says, and listen, all you got to do is take a look at everything that God has prophesied, 100% accurate. Now that is a testimony so that you can believe. How can I know? How can I be certain? Well, his physical testimony, our personal testimony, God's prophetical testimony, and then how about this? Jesus' promised testimony. It kind of goes uh, the same with the last point because he promised what would take place of his resurrection. Jesus promised his resurrection from the dead over and over and over again. There's probably nothing in the word of God of Jesus' teachings that he, that he went over any more than what would take place from him when he came to earth to lay down his life. Matthew 12, verse 44, As Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, Jesus said, So shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Matthew 17, 23, and they shall kill him. And the third day, he, sh he shall be raised again. That's what Jesus said. Matthew 20, 19, and he shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day, he shall rise again. Folks, even his enemies heard it and they understood what he said. Matthew 27, verse 63. Uh, this morning, I mentioned that in the sunrise service. We remember that. That deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days, I will rise again. Even his enemies heard it and understood exactly what he said. Jesus promised his resurrection. Promised it. Couldn't have been any clearer. Even his enemies understood exactly what he said. Then when it happened, just as he promised, that should clinch it. That should clinch it for you and for me. Because you want to be certain, right? Right? I want to be sure, settled on who Jesus is. He's God in the flesh, just as he claimed. So, preacher, how can I know? How can I be certain? By his physical testimony, by our personal testimonies, by God's prophetical testimony, by Jesus' promised testimony. Friend, you have every reason to be certain of who Jesus is. Because he is who, who he claimed to be. You're accountable to him and should bow before him today, taking him as your Lord and your Savior. You remember, Luke is, is trying to get this across to his friend, Theophilus. Listen, hey, Theo, buddy, pal. <laughs> Let's 
magnificent. I'm setting these things, as he says, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth and order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things. Be certain about who Jesus is. Be sure. Be fully persuaded. Be certain about your relationship with the Savior. Be certain of your salvation. Be certain that you're going to heaven. Now listen, if you don't know that for sure, it's only because you have not placed your faith and trust in this Savior. You need to do that this morning. Believer, you know, we need to do this morning. We need to rejoice. We need to celebrate. We need to recommit to this wonderful God who gives us a certainty of belief, of faith in Him. Every head bowed, nobody looking for just a moment.